morning we are focusing on the theme of joy. We're following uh, um, in the Advent theme of uh, a lot of churches will do this time of year. Uh, during the month of December, they'll have the first week with a focus on hope, the second week with a focus on peace, the third week a focus on joy, and the fourth week a focus on love. And, and all because of Christ. Jesus is the source of all that, of our hope of our peace, of our joy, the expression of love for us that God sent him into the world to rescue us and save us from our sins. And so I'm going to preach another topical sermon this morning on the, the uh, theme of joy. And this is something um, that God desires for all of his people to walk in. It's something that God has designed us for. Heaven is a place of eternal joy where no one will steal your joy. Nothing and no one will steal your joy. God himself is a happy God. Uh, and let me just say, this. if you got a perception of God as being an unhappy, disgruntled, disconnected force out there in the universe, then you have an unbiblical view of who he is. He is a happy, loving father who delights in the goodness, the good being done to his children. And so, so God is a happy God. He's described as that in the Bible. His people are described as happy people, joyful people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be Filled or satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And, and so on. And so this word blessed in the Greek, it, it simply means happy or to, uh, to be joyful, happy or glad. And it's not based on earthly circumstances. Uh, God, God himself is happy, and he has designed us as his people to be a happy people. And so here's, here's the big idea. Here's where we're going this morning. The big idea is simply this, is that God, it is God's will for his people to be filled with joy, and his reign in his people brings great joy into their lives, which is a testimony to the world that God is enough to satisfy the human heart. I know that's a mouthful and I'll, I'll just uh, read it again. It is God's will for his people to be filled with joy. And, and, and his reign in his people brings great joy into their lives, which is, the t which is a testimony to the world that God is enough to satisfy the human heart. When was the last time somebody asked you, why are you always so happy? Why are you always smiling? Why are you singing? Why, why, why do you always have this, this happy look on your face, the, a bright countenance? Has anybody ever asked you that? <laughs> and then when was the last time that happened? Because that should happen a lot for the people of God, for the children of God. We should be the most joyful, bright, radiant people on the face of the earth. And it's sad that too many Christians who name the name of Christ have a look on their face that's sour as if they've got baptized in pickle juice. 
we should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. And we have great reason to rejoice in God. And so we're going to look at that. I'm going to look at some of the, the why behind we should be joyful. Why should we be joyful? What, is the, what does it look like? How can, we, how can we fight for our joy? So that's where we're going this morning in this message. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul had a theme throughout the book of Philippians of joy. And, and this, was, this was not because things were going really smooth for him. Actually, when, when, when Paul showed up to Philippi to preach the gospel to the people of Philippi, he actually experienced persecution. He got beat up because he was preaching about Jesus, trying to bring good news of great joy to the people of Philippi. And they didn't take it so joyfully, or at least many of them didn't. And so him and his homeboy, Silas, got beat and thrown into jail for preaching the gospel and casting out a demon from a lady who was possessed by a demon. And so they're in jail, and while they're in jail, they are praising and thanking God and singing hymns to God. Okay? And the jailers, by the way, they, they take notice of this, right? If you ever, if you ever make it to jail, uh, be, <laughs> if, you ever make, if you ever make it to jail, start a prison ministry by, by praying and worshiping and telling others about Jesus, right? So they're praying, they're chained up, and the jails were not very nice in those days. And so they're, they're singing at midnight, praising God, and God causes an earthquake, and he, he actually gets them out of jail, uh, this jailer, the prison guard, gets saved, and his household gets saved, and a church gets started in Philippi. Like, but but it's through this, these difficult circumstances that Paul experienced that that this happened. And so Paul's in jail again, writing the Philippians. Uh, he's got in trouble again. He's in jail, um, writing the Philippians, and he's telling them he re, he's rejoicing in God, and he tells them verse Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is a, a command from an apostle. Uh, it's also a command from Jesus Christ himself for his followers to rejoice, rejoice in God. And so joy is a requirement for God's people. I'm just going to, that's the first, first point this morning. God requires that his people live in his joy. It's a requirement. It's a requirement for the people of God. It's God's will for us. First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen and 17 says that rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will. Now, this is easier said than done because circumstances, even for Christians, for devoted, faithful followers of Christ, circumstances get really difficult. Christians are not exempt from pain, from tragedy, from suffering, from discomfort, from sickness, from the loss of loved ones. That is a part of this broken world that we live in, and we will experience it. But those things and those circumstances that we experience as followers of Christ do not have to dictate whether we have joy or not. They don't have to steal our joy. And so we should be a joyful people first 
First of all, it's because God tells us to be joyful in obedience to what he says. He's joyful. He tells us to be joyful. But what do we do when we know we're supposed to be joyful? We're supposed to live joyful lives, but we fall short of obeying that command due to our circumstances. I mean, there is a legitimate time for us to grieve. I know, uh, Daniel, you, you lost your, your father this week. And it's a, it's a legitimate time. When you lose a loved one, it's a legitimate time to grieve and mourn over that loss. But Scripture tells us as Christians, we mourn not as those who don't have hope, because we have a hope beyond this life, beyond the grave. And, and we, we can mourn and we can grieve. We can be sorrowful yet rejoice. Sorrowful yet rejoice. And so underneath uh, that sorrow that we experience in our soul, underneath that within our heart and in our spirit, we have a joy that can be unshakable that does not have to be taken away from us. Amen? And so joy is a requirement from God. He, he requires us to, to walk that out. Paul himself displayed it. He's praising God in prison. Uh, there were these preachers going around preaching out of impure motives. And he's writing the Philippians. And he says this in verse 18. He says, you know, I rejoice that Christ is being proclaimed. Like he, he found something to rejoice in. Even though he's in jail, he's discomforted in, in, in circumstances, in the circumstances of his life. He has something to rejoice in. Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And if Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, people are going to put their faith in Jesus and experience the joy of salvation, the joy of forgiveness of their sins. And so Paul rejoiced that Christ was being proclaimed. Jesus himself rejoiced. In, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to go preach, to go cast out demons, to, to, to do what he was doing. Okay, And they came back and they were so excited. These disciples were pumped. And you know what they were excited about? They were excited that they had the ability to cast out demons from people. People who were oppressed by the evil one, by demons, demonic forces, they were able to say, in the name of Jesus, come out of him or her. And they would come out. And the disciples were pumped. They were like, whoa, Jesus, you gave us this authority to cast out demons. They come back rejoicing in that. And Jesus redirects their joy or the basis of their joy. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let your joy be based on heaven and not earthly circumstances. Okay? Because Jesus knew that there would be circumstances that would come into the lives of the disciples that if they let their joy be based on circumstances going well for them, they would lose their joy when they're, when they're thrown up in prison and things aren't going so well for them. When, when they're getting persecuted because they're talking about Jesus. All right. If your joy is based on earthly circumstances or earthly things or, or earthly relationships then you are subject to having your joy ripped away from you whenever those circumstances change. And if you've lived any if you've lived long enough, you know that it, you know, things in life it's it get they just get difficult, you know? You get old and people you you're going to die one day. Your friends and family are going to die one day. Unfortunately, 
That's the truth. We know that that's the truth. But even in that, we have this hope beyond the grave and a reason to rejoice because there's joy eternal that awaits us. Jesus describes heaven as a place of eternal joy. In Matthew 25, he says to his servants who are faithful, he says, enter into the eternal joy of your master. How would you like that? To spend all eternity in a world of perfect love, a world of perfect peace, a world of perfect joy. You see, this is better than anything the world has to offer. And I've, and I've dabbled in what the world has to offer. I know from experience as a young man, as a, as a teenager, I dabbled into all kinds of things, looking for joy in all the wrong places, looking for love in all the wrong places, as uh, one country singer says. And, and, I, and I didn't find it. It was all counterfeit. You see, God has designed us for pleasure and joy in him. And so what happens is we tend to seek that out through other means and we come up disappointed and dissatisfied and disillusioned because this world and the things of this world were never meant to ultimately satisfy the human heart. Okay, God himself is. Jesus says, let rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then right after that, Jesus, it says, verse 21, uh, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things were handed over to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father or the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus himself rejoiced, displayed joy before his disciples, and he directed them to let their joy be based on heaven and not earthly circumstances. Around Christmas time, a lot of children are going to be very happy about the presents that are going to be under the tree or hope in the presents that are going to be in, in, under the tree. And many, many children also are going to be very disappointed this time of year because they won't get what they want. You know, even, even kids from wealthy families will, will, after all the wrapping is gone and all the, 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 the festivities of Christmas time is gone, the newness of those toys are going to wear out and the temporary joy and delight that those things bring will fade away. Okay, But there's a joy in, in the greatest gift of all that we celebrate at Christmas time that doesn't fade away. And that is joy in Jesus and knowing him as your Lord and as your Savior. That doesn't fade away. And so Jesus commanded his followers to rejoice even in the face of persecution. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is describing the joy of his people, uh, the people of the kingdom, as blessed, as happy, as they're glad people. And he says this, and this seems like, you know, a, uh, an oxymoron. There seems to be some irony in this. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things uh, against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and so this this doesn't make a lot of sense to most people blessed happy are the harassed the harassed i mean 
that should be a reason to walk around moping, right? If you're being harassed by anybody and you're doing what's right and you're being harassed, Jesus, it was, this was done to Jesus. And this is done to his followers and has been done to his followers throughout history and will be done. And Jesus says, in the midst of that, be joyful. Be joyful about it. You're you're getting picked on because you love Jesus and you're following Jesus. And you're seen as a hater and you're, you're seen as a terrible person because of your convictions about God and, and what's right. Uh, rejoice and be glad. Don't be self-righteous and, and don't be proud and don't be unkind towards those who are attacking you. But be joyful knowing that you're in good company. This is what happened to the prophets. This is what happened to, to godly people throughout history. Everyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay? The Christian life is a very difficult road. Jesus describes it as, he says there's two, there's two paths. There's one that's broad, and many people go that way, and it leads to destruction. You just go with the flow. Do what everybody else is doing. And then there's one that's narrow, and it's difficult, and few find it. And that's the path to life. And so following Jesus is a narrow and a difficult path. But let me say this, it's not a joyless one. Following Jesus is a narrow and a difficult path, but it is not a joyless one because Jesus accompanies us on the journey. We have Emmanuel, God with us, the presence of God with us, and we have this promise of eternal joy that's set before us that we look forward to. And so this life is not it for us. This is not all that there is for us. Even Jesus himself endured his sufferings. The scripture says he endured the cross, Hebrews 12. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So while joy is a requirement of the followers of Christ, joy is also a result of God's presence and reign in his people. I would define joy as this. Joy is an attitude of gladness that flows from the heart and brightens the countenance. Joy is an attitude of gladness that flows from the heart and brightens the countenance. Christian joy is not based on everything going smoothly, right? It's based on heaven. It's based on God and what he has said and what he has done. It's based on his unshakable kingdom. Paul said in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Lord's unshakable kingdom that will last forever is one that's marked by joy. Heaven is described as a party. There is going to be a great party in heaven When we get there, there will be feasting, there will be celebration, there will be singing, there will be rejoicing. And so many people see God as this giant cosmic killjoy, somebody who just wants to take all the joy and the pleasure out of their lives. And so they don't surrender to his reign in their lives. They don't follow Jesus. They don't give their lives to be a follower of Jesus because they think, well, I got to give up all my joys and pleasures. And the reality is, is that Jesus, God the Father, he wants to deal with the real killjoys in your life, which are sin and selfishness 
and going your own way because sin has pleasure in it for a season. There's a passing pleasure in sin, but it always takes us further than we want to go, keeps us longer than we want to stay, makes us pay more than we want to pay. And we find ourselves dissatisfied and broken. So God's joy is a result of God's presence and his reign in his people. In the book of Psalms, the, the Bible says a few times, it says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. The fact that God is in charge as the king of kings is a reason for you and I to rejoice. 